So as I say today, we are concluding this sermon series in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the story of all that Jesus has begun to do and teach until the day that he has taken up to heaven. We see this very clearly in the first chapter, verses 1 and 2. The work that he began was to be completed by his disciples, who were to be his witness, starting in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remote parts of the earth. And as we said in the beginning, verses 8 or verse 8 in chapter 1 is a key verse for us to understand the book of Acts. As we come to the end of Acts, Luke leaves us with the Apostle Paul preaching the gospel in the capital of the empire, meaning in Rome, with all openness and unhindered. And so, in one sense, the mission was accomplished with the gospel going to the ends of the earth. And this is the title of the message this morning, to the end of the earth. From Acts chapter 28, we'll read from verse 1 to verse 31st or 31. Will you stand as we read these verses in honor of God's word this morning? Acts chapter 28 from verses 1 to 31. That says the word of God. After we were brought safely, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness for they, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and it was cold. When Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the, the, the creature, Hanging from his hand, they say to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell, to swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune came to him. They changed their minds and said that, that he was a god. Now, in the neighbor of that place were lands belonging to the chief men of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably, for three days, it happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and they were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alessandria, with the twin gods as a figured head. Putting it at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Putelio. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. 
And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as Forum and Apius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our father, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jew objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For these reasons, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this shame. And they say to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced but by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to our fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to these people and say, You will indeed hear but never understand. And you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you, this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, them they will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. You may take seat. Father, we praise you for the gift of your word. And we praise you for the testimony that you have preserved for us. How your church grew at the beginning to the ends of the earth. Father, as we stand this morning, we pray that we may receive your word, not as a word of man, but your word that is able to save our soul and to give us the inheritance among the saints. I pray for each individual, Lord. You know the need of each heart in this place. I pray that all hardness of the heart you will remove from us, and that your spirit will empower us, Lord, for us to do your will. Transform us from inside out, so that your name will be glorified this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. William Mitchell Kendall engraved this famous saying on the New Work Post office at, in North America, in the U.S. This post that he has engraved in that building 
was from their Herodotus about the diligence of the Persian mailmen during the heat of their battles with the Greeks in 500 BC. This statement says the following. Neither rain, nor snow, nor sleet, nor hail, nor dark of night shall keep the courage career from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. I repeat, neither rain, nor snow, nor sleet, nor hail, nor dark of night shall keep the courageous career, career from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. This statement describes the way that God worked through the Apostle Paul to go all the way to Rome in the completion of the task of testifying to the gospel of grace, of the grace of God to the ends of, uh, to the, ends of the earth. Many of us spend more time worrying about whether the plane will be on time when we are traveling or if all our accommodations will be to our liking. But this was not Paul's case. This was not Paul's fault. He shook off the trials, troubles, and opposition, and thank God while taking courage for the opportunity of preaching the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ to the lost world. As I said earlier, in one sense, the mission was accomplished with the gospel going to the ends of the earth. And yet, in another sense, Luke leaves the story open and ongoing. Jesus' followers have been carrying on the mission for almost 2,000 years. But it, it is not yet truly accomplished, totally accomplished. We know that one day in heaven... There will be some from every tribe, every tongue, and every people, and every nation whom Jesus purchased, purchased for, uh, for God with his own blood. And we see this clearly in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. We have the privilege, brothers and sisters, to be participants and joining the Lord in accomplishing his purposes of being glorified among the nations. God does that in and through us because he protects us, he provides for us, and he empowers us for the work he has given us to accomplish. And this we see very clearly from verses 1 to verse 16 which is our first point of this morning, protecting, providing, and empowering. As I said, God accomplishes his great commission by protecting, by providing for us, for the needs of his children. We see in the text that, that there was or there were a shipwreck in Malta, as we heard last week from Brother Tinos. Malta was a small island about 18 miles long and 80 miles wide, located about 60 miles south of Sicily. It was cold and raining. We see this from verses 1 and 2. And the men were wet from swimming ashore. The native people from that island, from Malta, showed them an extraordinary kindness by building a fire and eventually helping the men find lodging for the winter. The verse shows us God's protection, God's provision, and God's power. 
Look with me over there in verse, from verse 7. In accordance with the divine assurance, all 276 on that ship were saved. And we know from last passage or last message that this divine assurance was given to Apostle Paul, who was in that same ship. God's promises are never broken, and he will do all that it is necessary to get us in his shoreline. When they were on the island, Paul didn't see himself above helping out in the mundane task. As he was collecting sticks, among those sticks, there was a viper that he didn't notice, perhaps a snake. A viper is a, poison, a snake heavy in poison. The warmth of the fire attracted the snake and struck Paul and fastened on it in his hand. And he went when he went to get the wood. But Paul calmly just shook off the snake into the fire. We see that from verse 4, the natives of the lands, they start saying that no doubt this man is a murderer. And that even though he has escaped the sea, now that he is in the land, justice had allowed him uh, had not allowed him to, to live. According to these verses, we see that they have waited and watched, and watched for him to swell up and fall down dead. But when nothing happened, they changed their minds and they conclude, no, Paul is a God. Luke tells us the story to show how Miraculously, God protected Paul because of his purpose in and through Paul's life to bear witness in Rome, in the city of Rome. And we saw that in chapter 23, verses 11. Nothing, whether shipwreck or the snake, nothing could hinder God's purpose for his servant until his work will be done. And brothers and sisters, this is true for me and for you as well. As long as we put our delight in the Lord and we put our trust in him, just as Apostle Paul did, Nothing can hinder God's purposes to be accomplished in and through our lives. After the winter, the shipwrecked man set sail for Rome on another ship. And we see that from verse 11. Here Luke includes another details in the story, in the narrative, that may just be of an interesting fact. But it may hint at something greater. It gives us a light to something deeper that the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate to us. The sheep head for its figurehead, the twin brothers, which refers to Castor and Pollux, whom the mythical, mystical god Zeus supposedly transformed into gods represented by the consolation of Gemini. Sailors considered them a sign of good luck in a storm. Luke may mention this detail to contrast the pagan superstition with the true protection that believers have through God's providence. The reason for their safe voyage from Malta to Rome, was not the mystical twin brothers, those gods, but rather 
the protection of the living God. We see also God providing for his servant. God provided for his servant through the unusual hospitality of the native men in Malta. Publius, the leading man of the island, entertained all 276 men for three days. And then he apparently found them lodging or welcomed them and gave them a roof for the winter. As the men departed, the men of this island gave them many gifts and supplies. God also provided for Paul through a week of fellowship with the believers in Puteoli, about 140 miles south of Rome. The centurion was especially kind to allow Paul to visit these saints. God, Father, provided through the Christians who came out as far as the market of Appius, which stays 44 miles from home, and three taverns, meaning 33 miles, to escort Paul into the city. Can you imagine what uh, the rest of the travels, travelers in Paul's company thought when he, they saw these people welcoming this prisoner and as an important uh, dignitary? Paul, we see there that he thanked God and took courage when he saw these believers whom he had longed to see for several years. God also provided for Paul by permitting him to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him in rented quarters. Through the generous gift of the Philippian church and other churches, Paul's, financi Paul's financial needs were met. And if you go to Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 18 you will see Paul's uh, words in that letter confirming what we just say here. Brothers and sisters, Paul's case was not unique. If you read missionary biographies, you will find story after story of how God meets the personal and financial need of his servants who are taking the gospel to the remote parts of the earth. Shipwreck company found not only safety, by sim but sympathy, hospitality, help, provision, comfort, shelter. And we shall find the same as long as we, are, we have the will in our heart to serve our God. Brothers and sisters, one thing else that we see in this uh, story as Paul was encouraged by the presence of other believers, is what other people call the ministry of presence. Many times in our lives, we are facing situations that we don't need people to come and tell us things. But we need them to be with us when we are facing those difficult situations. And this is the ministry of presence. You know, even your coming on, on Sunday, you cannot grasp fully, but your presence can be an encouragement for your brother and for your sister. The ministry of presence. This year has been hard for us as a church, isn't it? We just heard that Abdullah in his family is being rejected and not able to attend his mother's funeral. Whose family then must encourage him? 
the ministry of presence, brothers and sisters. Paul was encouraged when he saw the brothers. But God did not only protect and did not only provide, he, is, he has also empowered his servants. Although Luke was the, the physician, the Lord used Paul to heal miraculously many of the sick people there in Malta. If you read verses 8 and 9, you see that very clearly. Look to me with, verse, with me, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. You see, we see that first it was the father of this uh, chief of men who was sick with fever and diarrhea. Yeah? And after this, many others also came for healing. Probably, and we are sure of that, while Paul doing that and his companions, many opportunities to tell people about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ has opened. And in and through the healing that God was operating in and through Paul, the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ was being proclaimed. Brothers and sisters, we don't deny the Spirit's power to perform miracles. He can and is still able to do this for His glory. But the greater miracle today is still the supernatural work of God when a life of a sinner is transformed from inside out and from darkness to light. The power of Christ is in one's life is powerful and it is unmis without mistake. It must be tapped into to realize the full force of the hope that it contains. In other words, God is powerful, but we need to have our hearts desiring and willing for his transformation in order for us to realize his power in our lives. Christ in you, brothers and sisters, Christ in us, the Bible says, is the hope of, of glory. So God had empowered Paul to heal the sick, but not only that. He has also empowered Paul to proclaim the gospel. And we see this in our second point this morning from verses 70 to 31. Paul proclaiming the gospel to all people. Brothers and sisters, God has chosen and has established in his sovereignty a single way for him to accomplish his great mission. And this is in and through his servants who obediently proclaim the gospel to all people. When Paul finally got to Rome, he quickly called the Jewish leaders to explain why he was a prisoner there. It seems strange that they didn't not they didn't hear or they didn't hear anything about Paul and their knowledge of Christianity while negative seems somewhat second hand and a very distant we see that 
in verse 22, their reply, or what Luke has registered for us, proves this that we are saying. They didn't have the knowledge about Christianity. Maybe since Claudius has expelled all the Jews from Rome just uh, a few years before, they were being diplomatic and cautious about saying too much. But they were open to hear what Paul had to say. And then they set a time for them to hear Paul. Paul spent the entire day testifying about the kingdom of God, which refers not only to Christ's future reign on this earth, but also to the gospel that brings people under his rule. There was probably a lot of interaction both ways between Paul and this Jewish leader. As Paul tried to persuade them concerning Jesus that he is the promised Messiah in the Old Testament. And of course, Paul didn't use any other source for him to explain the gospel to them. Remember that at this time, the Bible that they had was what? The Old Testament, the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible. In the Hebrew Bible, or from the Hebrew Bible, Paul presented them that Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah that they were waiting for. He probably took texts from Moses and from the prophet, from Isaiah, the one even that uh, we will be reading uh, in in the Christmas series, mini-series that we will have. Paul was knowledgeable of the Hebrew Bible, and he uses their own Bible to prove to them that Jesus was the Messiah. The outcome was that many in Paul's, the outcome was, as in many of Paul's previous experience with the Jews, some were being persuaded, some accepted Paul's presentation of the gospel, but others, they did not believe. And because of that, this led to a dispute between the two groups. Brothers and sisters, Sunday in, Sunday out, we sit in our chairs and we listen God's word being preached to us. Many of you have the opportunity to do that even during the week. But this portion of this narrative gives us a serious warning about us Listening God's word preached every day. Youth, older people, children, all of us. When we hear God's word, when we hear the gospel preached, two things happen. First, we are transformed if we believe God's word as it is preached. But if we reject that, a second thing can happen. Our heart is hardened, becomes like a stone that cannot change anymore. Brothers and sisters, the Bible clearly warns us. When we hear God's word, Let us not do what? Harden our hearts. If you listen to God's word, challenge areas of your life, of my life, that we as a church, we need to change. We need to embrace that. If God is challenging you in a sinful area of our lives, of your life, my life, and we simply reject that warning, 
there is a very dangerous path that we are building in our lives, a mountain that we will not be able to climb when we decide to climb it. If you hear God's word in your life, don't harden your heart. And this is what happened here. Some people embraced the gospel that Paul was preaching, but others simply did what? They rejected. They rejected completely. And what Paul did, he simply remembered what the prophet Isaiah said in the scripture reading that we made this morning that our brother Catlego uh, has read for us. God has said, if we reject his word, our heart will become hardened. We will not see his salvation. So this is a warning for me and for you, for us to open our hearts and embrace God's uh, gospel, God's message this morning. If you are here and you don't know Christ, I beg you, this is your opportunity This thing that we are talking about here is serious and it is true. God is doing something. And as we sang, one day he is coming. And when he will come, he will not come to save. But he will come to judge the world. I invite you to consider carefully. If you are here and you don't know Christ, please... Don't leave this place without talking to someone, talking to us even, that can help you understand the message that God wants you to understand this morning. Like Paul, brothers and sisters, we should commit ourselves fully to God's purposes in the Great Commission. Just as the Lord told Paul that he had many people in the city of Corinth, and thus Paul should go on and speaking so that these people could come to faith. So we know that he has some from every people group who are his elect that needs to listen God's word proclaimed in and through our lips. In your workplace, in your house, in your family, people, they need to listen to God's word in and through our lips. And whatever the hardship, we should commit ourselves to get the gospel to all who had not yet heard it. Then in verses 30 to 31, we see that... Luke closed out the book of Acts and he says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Paul is serving till the end. He is steadfast. He is unmovable. He is always abounding in the work of the Lord. Sometimes we don't take a moral lesson, but this clearly says the Holy Spirit wants us for us to imitate Paul. And he himself says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And this is a good example that we have as believers to follow. Yes, I can say, be like Paul. Serve God to the end. Do your best. Make every effort. Find a place of service in the church and keep on serving. Be intentionally Praying and looking for opportunities 
to share the gospel with the people that you know and I know that they don't have heard the gospel before. In good times and bad times, let's be ready to proclaim the gospel. Be it in, sad, in, in a sad moment or even in a joyful moment. Be it in the mountain or in the valley, let's proclaim the gospel. Be it in our victories or in a situation that we see defeat or we find defeat, let's be ready to proclaim the gospel. Let's be intentionally doing that for God's glory and his name's sake. That's how the book of Acts finish. Here is pretty a good summary that we can do of this book. The Savior went up. The Spirit came down. The church went out. And the lost came in. If you don't remember anything about Acts, remember this. The Savior went up. The spirit came down. The church went out and the lost came in. The church is still to go out and the lost will still come in. And remember, God himself in his sovereignty, he has established us as the means that the lost will come to his kingdom. That's why he says to, he said to his disciple, when you pray, how do you pray? Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in. It is in and through us that God will accomplish this. Brothers and sisters, the story of Acts is not yet over. It is not over yet. We are still living it. Each of us needs to ask, what about me? Am I as committed to the great commission of my Lord as I ought to be? Since God has protected and provided for me, am I relying on his power to do all that I can to see as many people reached for Christ, both locally and worldwide? As I'm able to do that. Brothers and sisters, we were created for a reason. And this reason is to know God and to make him known to others. Are we fulfilling that purpose? Or is our lives more of a random hit and miss? Are you doing that? And that question comes to me. Am I doing that? Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. And if not, brothers and sisters, there is a place of repentance. Where God empowers us and aligns us with his plans. Ask for forgiveness if you see that you are not doing that. Don't harden. Let's not harden our hearts. But let me close just giving uh, seven quick aspects, action points that will help us move in the right direction. First, ask God to burden your heart with the lost. Put it in your prayer list. If you are apathetic about those who are perishing, we are not like Jesus Christ who had compassion of those who were lost, according to Matthew 9, 36. And he wept over the unbelieving city of Jerusalem in Luke 19, 41. If you don't feel anything in your heart for the lost, go to your secret place of prayer and ask God to put his burden in your heart 
in order to move you to action. God will give you the delights of your heart. But you need to will and to desire to be aligned with him. Secondly, you can get some training so that you can confidently share the gospel. We have classes uh, on how to know and explain the gospel. If you want to join one of these classes, please speak to one of the elders. It is important for our personal faith to be able to know how to lead another person to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. A good resource also is at the back there. What is the gospel that you can have? Third, stay informed about missionary partners, our missionary partners. Join our missions team. Read the updates as we, that we get from the partners across the world. Know their unique struggles and challenges and know how to pray for them. When you get a chance, join our short-term mission trip to encourage our missionaries. As a church, we are planning, by God's grace, March for us to go to India. Make plan, take a vacation during that time, and let's be involved in, 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 in encouraging those that are in the mission field. And of course, don't ignore praying for them as well. Fourth, one way for us to be encouraged for mission is to read missionary biographies. The thrilling stories of those who have taken the gospel to the remote part of the earth will strengthen our faith and will encourage you, encourage us to get fully behind our missionaries. Read about Jim Elliot and the men who gave their lives taking the gospel to the uh, Oka Indians. Read about John Payton, Adonaria Judson, Judson Taylor, William Carey, Bruce Olos, and others. Look for it. Read and let the Holy Spirit set the fire inside you for missions and for the lost souls. The tools that we mentioned above will help, will help you be faithful in your prayer. Six, you can give sacrificially towards missions. Many of our missionaries are lacking full support. Invest the treasure that God has given you in missions, and your heart will follow where your treasure is. Seven, as God directs you, Go as a short or long-term missionary. Pray for that. You don't have to be gifted as an evangelist, translator, or teacher to be used in missions. Many missions are desperate for support of personnel. A familiar legend tells of a conversation between Jesus and angel Gabriel. After the Lord ascended into heaven, they talked of what had happened down here on earth, of Christ's birth, his life and ministry, his death and his resurrection. Then Gabriel asked, and how will the people of the world hear about all of this? Jesus replied, well... I have a little company of friends there whom I have But what if for any reason they let you down and fail to do it? To which the Lord answered, I have no other plan. We are in it. Brothers and sisters, we are in what God wants to do in this world. It is a privilege for us to be participants of the transformation that he is doing in this world. Let us commit ourselves to accomplish the mission the Lord has entrusted us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we... 
come to you as we listen to your word with a broken heart, asking for forgiveness, Lord, for our apathy, Lord. Even in the sharing the gospel, or even in praying for those that are lost in our families, in our workplaces, in our friendships. Lord, we pray that you will give us the same heart that you have towards the lost. Help us to understand that we are all pilgrims in this world. That our days are numbered. Teach us to number our days so that we can achieve a heart of wisdom. Make your purposes and plans alive in us again. Set the fire in our heart to go about and finding opportunities in wisdom and guided by your spirit for us to fiercely and eagerly share this good news of our King and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to let people know, Lord, that your kingdom will come and your will will be done. That that end, at the end, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are the Lord. Therefore, we pray in our hearts this day, may your kingdom come and may your will be done now and forevermore. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.